Welcome to Splatbook, the RPG Topics podcast. If this is your first episode, we talk about tabletop RPG design. But we're doing something a little different today. This show is brought to you by the generous contributions of the lovely backers of the MapCrow Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash mapcrow and pledge today to support the show and gain exclusive access to the MapCrow secret sketchbook. My name is Kyle, and with me today is my favorite Game Master, John. Well, hey, if it isn't my favorite optimistic chaos lord, Kyle Latino. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this this episode's kind of been a long time coming. We've been talking yeah. about this, because this was this is, in a lot of ways... So, oh, I should say. So today, we are going to be talking about the DCC module, Sailors on a Starless Sea, and yep. or on the starless sea it's yes. not just any old starless sea. it's the, the yeah. starless sea um and i guess we should actually read the credits uh so yes, this is by should. harley strove um, yes and it is a it is it is dungeon crawl classics number 67 a level zero adventure by harley strove and it's filled with great illustrators um the and I won't read all of them, but one of them is uh, Jim Holloway of uh, Basic D and D fame, who I absolutely love. He actually did my favorite illustration ever for DCC, which we can talk about later. But um, yeah, so this one's been out for a while, and yeah. we're gonna do a deep. I, I've got a lot to say about this, but first to the splat phone. Hey, Kyle and Joe. My name is Tim, longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, first off, I think you two are great, doing a great job with your podcast. Kyle, you bring such energy and insight to the topics. I swear I learn something every every time I listen. And Jacob, the way you bring this this passion and this touch of cynicism is like chef's kiss emoji. Um, and in the last episode I listened to was about melancholy. And I was hoping you might consider talking about another thing that I don't know if RPGs do a great job hitting on, uh, and that's optimism. Uh, I'd argue that most RPGs out there work best when the players are like forming a collaborative group uh, such that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Um, and I think the media that best portrays this is uh, Star Trek. Uh, Kyle, I think you came into Star Trek in like the next gen to Voyager era. And Jim, I think you came in with the original series. Uh, but wherever you come to, come to it, um, it's, it's always a story about hope and a story about optimism and this like notion that life can be better if we work to let, if we work together collaboratively for the common good. And I think that could map really well to RPGs. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and uh, and how how can I capture the sense of of hope and positivity in in my games? Um, or if you think I'm way off base, I'd love to hear your rebuttal. Uh, but again, uh, Kyle, Joel, you're doing a great job. Uh, please keep it up. Okay, so that was awesome. Thank you so much for your message, Tom. I really appreciate it. It really, I love the kind of thoughtful dialogue, Tam, that we can have yeah. on the show. I, you know, if only if only every listener were like Theo and could could leave us thoughtful feedback like that, that would just be amazing. You know, um, in all seriousness, that was Tim who was on this. Ep- he did a episode of this podcast with me on playing games with kids. Uh, actually, I I love the point he brought up in this message about optimism and Star Trek. Uh, and I think we talked about it during one of our Appendix N episodes, and that was a point that Tim had made to me. Like, like one great model for for role playing games is groups of people who 
who leverage each other's strength to solve difficult problems, you know, in a sense of hope. And I, you know, I don't have any specific recommendations off the top, but, um, but I think that's a great point. And, and I wish more games had that model. You know what? Conflict is important to pushing a story forward, but it doesn't always have to be negative or fatalistic like Elric, you know? Yes. And I, I think, uh, it, it's really interesting because um, while I did come into Star Trek uh, as a young man uh, watching Next Generation, I've you know I've I've, I've watched plenty of the original series, um, in, well the entirety of the original series and its movies. So uh, I feel qualified to say that while it gave Next Generation a bumpy start, uh, I think yes. a lot of that optimism really is better pronounced in next generation than it is in the original series the original series it's like it is an optimistic vision of the future for humans yes <laughs> but you still have some fairly some fairly kind of uh uh you know f- fantasy culture tropes like you know klingons and romulans are they they are just like you know space pirates they're 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 that is not optimistic you know Um, right in the same way that i think you know there is this big gesture at the diplomatic like the the war is the last solution explored in next gen and uh in um in ds9 um especially where it's just like and i think that kind of optimism that level of optimism is difficult to interject into a game where most of your character sheet is telling you all the different ways you can stab and incinerate people to solve your <laughs> right, problems. Right. Yeah. It would have to be some sort of alternative conflict resolution system. One thing, you know, you made a good point about the Rocky start to next generation, like apocryphally, supposedly Gene Roddenberry, who did the original series and did the first season or two of Next Generation, had really wanted to avoid conflict between the the core characters of the show in, a, in an effort to make it more optimistic. And I think after he died, they realized that was a mistake. We can still be optimistic and people can still have conflict. In fact, that's a great, that's a great way to showcase optimism, right? That People get into conflict, but can resolve it. And and this is how we do it. So anyway, um, I just want to thank Tim. That was funny. And I uh, appreciate this platform message. Yeah. And, but I, 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 yeah. So I I think it's really about, it's really about making sure that you are establishing that the conflicts are arising from different point of views and different goals, as opposed to a, a willful glee in annihilating the other side. Uh, and, um, I, I think that's how you, there has to be some hope to, to, to bring this to uh, a piece that there is a peaceful resolution. And I think a lot of systems are kind of, they lean in other directions. Uh, so I think, you know, um, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, quiet year is actually kind of like oddly optimistic. Uh, you do have like this coming of the frost shepherds at the end of the game that in you're preparing for this thing, but you're building and there is this sense of hope 
and there's lots of prompts in the game that are just like new life has been found and you know or, or just like somebody very old has died and it's just kind of dealing with the the ins and outs and kind of ongoing um uh kind of uh, uh process of life uh in a way that it feels more nuanced and fully fleshed out than your average um uh, Dungeons and Dragons adventure. So, so yeah, yeah. I, th I think it's good. You just have to really, you, you just have to make sure that everybody is bought into that from the beginning. Yes. And, and you have to be very careful uh, about what, what game you're playing, what the expectations of your players are. Um, and, and I think we said the same thing when we were talking about melancholy, which yeah. is just like, Hey, if you, if you really want to pronounce that flavor, uh, as opposed to kind of the more like, you know, Marvel action movie kind of deal that's going on, then you have to make sure that everybody is comfortable and excited about that. So Yeah, exactly. Yep. I think, yeah. And if you try to sneak it in and, and everybody's not on board or the system doesn't support it, then then you're not going to have success. So yeah, I never, I had for a while the um, Star Trek Adventures book, the current art Star Trek RPG. Uh, I have never played it. Um, I give it to Andy Rouse, and maybe we should have Andy and Tim on. We'll have a special uh, guest spectacular someday, and we'll have Andy and Tim on to talk about Star Trek and RPGs. No I promises. It. I love it. I don't know if we can afford them both on one episode. We'll have to. <laughs> we'll have to see. I don't know that we can spare the gold pressed latinum. <laughs> uh, but no, that's that is that is an interesting thing. I think I want to think about that one. I don't. I. I, I don't I don't find that my games are particularly dour. I think it's I think generally like everybody is there having a good time. So I don't find that I mean, unless you're in the middle of a dungeon crawl that just won't end, yes. that people are feeling like hopeless. Um yes. but but as far as optimism, that might be a flavor that I'm I'm not uh hitting or something like that. I don't know. I'll have to think about that more, but it that that I, I want to chew on it more. Um, and I think I've, I've said all of my thoughts on the issue now. Yeah. Well, I think, um, let's, um, let's forget about optimism and talk about dungeon crawl classics and the horrible slaughter of peasants. As they yes. Try to... <laughs> yes. Yeah. It kind of could not be different or more different, right. uh, uh, what we're, what we're talking about today. So, um, uh, uh, Sailors on the Starless Sea is known as a, a zero-level adventure or a funnel adventure. Uh, yes. And the idea is that this short, I want to say, what is this, like 32? It They pack a lot into 32 yeah. pages. It's in actually this, in it's actually guy. 23 pages. Yeah, uh, so it's, a, it's like a page short of like a classic D&D yes. &D module. Like, yeah. So uh, it's it's twenty three page interior pages, um, and uh, it is designed to just basically. I think it's it's designed for double purposes. A, excuse me. A, it is a convention game. This is something yes. that you can just like you can get just like a bunch of strangers together and have a good old time with this. And then B, a funnel is kind of it's called such because you start with a bunch of characters and then the deaths are so frequent that you uh, you get to a point where uh, uh, you have like so few characters left by the end, you winnow down, and then whoever comes out the other end of the funnel is um, is is who you actually bother to level up to level one. And so they have right. a backstory. They have a history with the other kinds of uh, farmers and, 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 
and peasants and 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 merchants and everything they have an adventuring history uh so that when you start the actual adventure uh you're all you 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 have that you have They've all been yeah. through this harrowing experience. Together. Rather than come up with a backstory for your character, you build it through the zero level funnel, which becomes the both the bonding bonding system and the and the backstory system for the characters that you make. So yeah. yeah. Yep. Now we also have a personal connection with this game. Um two years ago at RFT Con, I ran it um for a Group of people, I think you were there. Tim Saucer, our splat phone caller, was there. Uh, Chris Salzman, Murph. There were a couple other people there, and I don't. I'm sorry that I, you know I don't mean to forget you, but it was a hoot. We yeah. had that was the first time you and I had ever played the games together. We had the best time. That my favorite story from that remains. Uh, your character was a cobbler, and um, attempted to open a locked door with a shoehorn. And uh, I said, give it a shot. And you said, I'm a shoe in. And I looked, <laughs> I looked at you. <laughs> I said, make an agility check for that pun, which you failed. I said, don't worry. It's just one hit point when the door falls on you, which was enough to kill your character. All I had um, was one hit point. <laughs> that's right. And then I uh, got to bust out my one of my favorite things I've handed off, but uh, it was a stamp, the Dungeon Crawl Classic stamp. So they sell these on the store. You can make your own, but it's uh, it's a it's a ink stamp and in red you stamp it you stamp the character once they're dead and it says dungeon crawl classics dead and it says cause of death and the player can write that in and i think you wrote in hubris for your cause of death (laughs) (laughs) so we played through this together we've had it's been a hoot you just ran this for some students at your school yes uh, and had a wonderful experience with it so and i've run it a couple more times since then so yeah that's sort of our our personal uh, story with it and i want to i want to add just a, like a little bit more detail so if uh if i believe it's actually linked from the goodman games the publisher's website uh where you can go to like an uh, an automatic pre it'll, it'll just like yeah you can type in how many pages of random npcs you can or, or random char- player characters zero level player characters you can set certain kinds of parameters and yes. uh, and then it'll just it'll just spit out like uh, uh you know forty different characters that all just have like random gobbledygook on them and yeah and they'll all be like halfling uh, a halfling butcher who might have a cleaver or or uh, you know the candle maker or if there's a farmer you roll on a one d four table to see what kind of farm animal that you have with you uh, a duck or a cow or a chicken or whatever yeah so. And that is, um, that's the best part is like, is, is you, um, almost nobody has like the most powerful weapon that somebody that a character is likely to be generated with at level zero is like a long sword, which just does one D eight damage. Right. So like an average of four damage. And what are the, what is like, like there's a hunter you could get, you could have a bow. Like that's like winning the lottery. Yes. Um, so yeah, you know, our, our, uh, our characters, you know, our, our beastmen and kind of like the monsters that are showing up are going to have like an average of, you know, six to eight hit points. So it's, it's like, you are, you are really starting behind the eight ball, uh, and really in a situation and you, you're all of your characters are starting with make me a maximum. I think that the highest number of hit points I've, I've seen on one of these, 
uh, random generations is four hit points. Yes. Uh, which is, it's just like you, if you might be able to take one hit um, right. from, from a direct hit from, from, uh, from, a, from an enemy. And, and then that's just kind of it for your character. You know? Yeah. I, I wanted to, I want to go into detail about the starless sea because more than one person has told me it's, it's generally considered one of the best zero level funnels. Yeah. And I, I only own one other, and I've never run it. It's called Hole in the Sky. Um, it looks, it reads well. I enjoyed it, but, um, but there's something about this particular adventure that people love. But before we get into that, I just want to talk about mechanically, like why everything we just said is great. Yes. Um, first thing is, so you go in knowing you don't have a hero, right? Um, and you go, so so it sort of takes away the. Um, and the fact that it's randomly generated and it's they're so unheroic in the sense, in terms of ability, if not in terms of motivation, that it takes away the sort of bespoke, but this is my character, nothing can happen right. part of the game, right? And and you have four of them. So there's a, a feeling right away like, well, I might as well try this because, you know, I got three others. Like, like I find, I have found that players playing this game are less hesitant to to jump in and try stuff. They just yeah. go for it, and they're like, "Oh, you know, uh, oh well, you know." And, and while that's a little cavalier about uh, the poor peasants, it, it eliminates a hesitancy you see when people are putting their own characters at risk. And I think, I mean, we had a hoot in that game, and I think people willing to take risks make for fun adventures. Yeah, right. And and it it it. it allows you this level of freedom to buy into the premise and uh and then and you really do have this weird attachment to um you know what what kind of animal companions you have you know like that those kinds of things like if you have a dog like and that and you actually get that dog to do something useful it's like okay well this is we have to figure out how to protect this thing and make make sure that this this little pooch makes it all the way to the end you know like it's those little things that you can kind of glom onto and invest in that you discover through emergent play rather than kind of like you know this experience kind of creating characters in a vacuum on D&D beyond right um for the one, one day you find um, a, a DM who actually wants to run that game for you. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a completely different experience and it's much more communal and social than I think how character creation usually goes. Like the first thing you do when you I've had, I've done it two different ways. I've had people create characters, which was fun, but it took a while. So mm. when you do pre-gens, one of the fun things is, is the players all go around and go like, I have a halfling with one pit point, but he's got a duck. And he's like, I have a an elf with one hit point, and and they're a tailor, so they're not really useful. Like, and they laugh about it. I one one person has an orphan with a doll, like, yeah. you know, like all of this weird stuff. And so people sort of immediately relax, and it's very funny when they start. Yeah, because you keep thinking like, how am I going to make it through this? And then you get into your first combat, uh, and then you're like, oh, I'm probably not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, but then you immediately get handed a new character sheet, and that's fine. You know, it just it kind of takes the sting out of it. But it's interesting because so I taught this, I I, I ran this game for my students um, last semester as well in my tabletop prototype and play class. And immediately afterwards, we you know the 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 next week we ran um, a fifth edition game that one of my students ran, and and the exact same players, many of whom. DCC, this, this funnel was their first experience, played completely differently and much more hesitantly 
in fifth edition because like they didn't want anything happen to happen to their character, which is fine. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being cautious and kind of buying into the stakes and tension. Uh, but I ended up having to kind of like, because I was actually a player in that game, I had to end up saying like, okay, the, well, the, I, my character does this because I'm tired of talking about it. Who's going to look around the corner. Yeah, like I'm yeah. going to look around the corner, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so the other thing I want to say is that the premise is rock solid. Um, because it's it's the most traditional premise in D anD D, right? Yes. It's the it's the goblins harrying the town, and the townsfolk hire adventurers to solve the problem. Except there are no adventurers; there's just town folk. So yeah. that town folk draw straws, and the losers have to go take care of the problem, which is a completely different. I hate to use the word, but paradigm. Then we're going to hire really successful people. It's like, well, there's just us. We've got to take care of it. Um, one of my favorite, the other, I'll try to find a link to it for the show notes, but they got the dungeon crawl classics is a very specific art style. And they got a, a couple of old D and D artists to do some art for them. And it's in the starter set and I will find it. Uh, I think it's Jim Holloway who did some of my favorite art for like basic adventures back in the day. One of them is called, um, before the lost city he did most of the art for that i absolutely love it but he did this illustration that is it, it, you see three characters <clears throat> there's a farmer with a pitchfork and he's stabbing a skeleton in the gut and the skeleton is wagging his finger like that's not gonna work <laughs> and the, in the background you see the the candle maker with two lit candles like reeling back and the bread maker with his rolling pin like <laughs> like oh my gosh you know and it's just so funny and it perfectly encapsulates encapsulates the vibe of this adventure yeah that's 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 what i love about this um this thing it's like instead of starting special like like you do in yes. a game like fifth edition or, or pathfinder you become special by doing things you yes. just you 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 your specialness emerges from the the unlikeliness of your survival uh, and I think it would be a great way to start a campaign, but it's, de it definitely is a great for one shot. And it's just like, it's great you know, for one shot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of weird to prep for the first time because there, it, there is kind of a lot to keep track of. Um, but then your second time, third time, it is just wonderful to have, like, you know, I wrote all through mine. I have like all my highlighters and notes and post-its sticking out and everything. And it's just like, it, it has now become this kind of like living document of like, you know, it's, it is now, now this just becomes my go-to. So if I have to, if somebody asks me, Hey, can you DM? It's like, okay, yeah, I'll just yep, run let's the do this. Starless C and, 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 and we'll be all set. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever played Dungeon Crawl Classics beyond the funnel? Have you ever played a first level or run a first level? No, second? but I would really love Neither to. Have I. I have the book. I, uh, I played once in a convention game. Um, and it was fun. It was called, I, I forget what it was. It was like, uh, it was like the running man, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, <laughs> but, but you were a uh, dungeon call classics characters and you were a little more advanced. It was fun. Um, but it wasn't like the funnel. It was, it was a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's like, I kind of wonder if the, the zaniness kind of like that, that one note, it kind of like will run its course after that first session. I don't I, know yeah, that a, sure. an entire campaign campaign of like this kind of like, well, uh, roll for, for agility. Oh, you take 27 hit points of damage, you know, like it's like, right, I, right. I don't know that that is something I would want to stick around in, in my game for, for longer than this, but and mechanically, there's a there's something that is 
very different about Dungeon Crawl Classics, which you don't get into when you're doing a zero level funnel. It uses uh, unique dice so that, so that, for example, instead of getting modifiers, you change the die you roll. So if you become better at something, instead of rolling a 20-sided die, you roll a 16-sided die. Or if you're worse, you roll a 30-sided die. Like, you know, but your but your your condition for success remains the same. So if it was 12, you know, on a 20, D20, but you're better at it, it's still 12, but you have to roll a 16. It's I've never tried it. I don't know how it would work. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's still binary task resolution like i'm not dismissing it but yeah. but that's the that's the game you're playing yeah uh, i would love to do it i would probably i would probably choose to run um uh old school essentials um yeah instead that it just it seems like a little bit more under control <laughs> <laughs> there are some aspects to the fuller dcc game that i'm super curious about like magic is super dangerous and yes. there's like these backfire the charts and tables like you it's could nuts your, your yeah. wizard I'm, is going to end up completely messed up I and think that could be a hoot yeah. but um but i've never tried it so yeah. anyway but back to sailors on the starless sea that's right um so where do we want to go next we sort of describe the the, the I, feel of it i really want to talk about <clears throat> i really want to talk about just the first encounter uh yes so uh, let me, let me paint you a scene. Uh, and I, I will say like, we're not going to get like too, too grotesque with our, um, depictions of things, but, or, or with our explanations of the visuals in this, but this does, I, I did have a student who like right off the bat, uh, was just like, I really don't like plants growing through bodies. Yeah. Um, so if, if that doesn't sound fun to you, then, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, like, be, let's be clear. Long. This, this is old school in the sense. It's also very sort of metal and gross, Yes, you know, like, yeah. like the big bad in it is like a, is a chaos God with like writhing serpents coming out of its mouth yeah. and stomach. And like, it has one eye and horns and like, it's, it's nasty. Like, you know, you've got to be into that vibe too. Um, uh, but it, to, it's to, really yeah. easy. It's, it is really easy to like have a brief conversation and like, say like, Hey, here's the stuff that's in this. Does anybody have a problem with it? Uh, and, and you'll probably be good to go. I don't, I think sometimes like some of those big checklists of everything you don't want in the game is like, it's a bad energy to start a, a, a one shot adventure with, um, yeah. you know, uh, uh, but you know, just say like, Hey, you know, it's, it's like, and so I, you can easily just switch it out for just like plain old skeletons at the beginning, but you do have kind of like these, these sort of like vine covered zombies that kind of spring to life and start, you know, lurching towards you. And there's just like two of them. Uh, so the tension is not, will you be able to overpower them before you can get to the castle gate? But how many people are going to get iced before you overpower these two people? Right. So, yeah, yeah, that's really the vibe is, you know, like this horrible thing. Can we do it? And how many of us do we lose? Um, and yeah. it's really it's really uh, stressful, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it's it's you're just normal people. And suddenly these things kind of start lurching towards you. And you're just like you're you are off to the races like you are on an adventure. You are in a combat first things first. Right. It sets the tone, as we say. Um, yes. Like yeah. things, if you get close, things are going to come after you. Right. But it's also kind of, it has a kind of another beautiful little twist to it, uh, which is on, and, and that's another thing about this uh, 
this module is the handouts for this are gorgeous they're fantastic they really I, I, really I owned are. the physical copy and then i bought the pdf so that we could review this and like the pdf is even better like it has things that my original print copy didn't have like you could print out the beast men standees and extra illustrations and stuff it's fantastic but yes the handouts yeah sorry to interrupt go ahead no not at all uh so and you can actually see you don't you it has this wonderful like purple prose block text throughout which i absolutely recommend reading with with your ghosts you know your your ghost story hands like twinkling jazz hands going in the air you put on your scary voice you know um but instead of a drawbridge there's this ramshackle plank bridge and that's another great place to just like, you know, yes, you can try to run straight past this first combat encounter and get inside of this castle. But if you do that, you're going to have to make an agility check to cross this rickety bridge, you know, this ramshackle bridge. And that, that you know, getting people to like fall 20 feet into the moat below and like all this kind of stuff is just a great way of just like getting that first character death out of the way as soon as possible. <laughs> Yes. And then and then after after people say like, well, let's, you know, let's let's, um, you know, let's uh, let's figure out a way to like, you know, send a grappling hook over there. So we have something to hold brace ourselves against. And then you don't make them roll that that uh, agility check. You know, if they come up with a good plan, you don't make them roll for every single time because their stats are so low. They're going to die. If they roll, there is like an above average chance they will die. <laughs> If they roll for anything. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah you, you mentioned the block text. I think, like, I am, like, I would, I, I spent a long time getting over the idea that reading block text was a good idea. Mm. But it's a great idea in this adventure. Yes. Um, it just is so over the top um, in terms of setting the tone. In fact, the intro is so over the top. The start yeah. for the players, right? Um, it, it includes things like the air is overrun with pestilence. Fat flies bite you incessantly and clouds of small black insects choke your every breath. Like, like that's just, it just is so good at setting the tone of, of the feel of right. this adventure. And I love that it could be so sort of horrific and goofy at the same time. Like that's yes. a whole different episode, but, but that, but it one hunt for whatever reason, that's a tone that a lot of games go for, and this module nails perfectly. So you're you're at this castle, and and you know uh, we we actually didn't really explain. Yeah. So the plot the, is. So here's the plot, story. right? Uh, there's a whole backstory. I won't do the whole backstory, but sure. it, from the perspective of the players, is there's this old ruined castle on the hill that's been dormant, and your peasants in a town, and, and in the in the recent weeks and months. People have started to be abducted from the town, and then a, then a horrible flag has flown above the the castle, and you realize that some horror has crept back into it. They're abducting your fellow villagers, and you have been selected to go investigate and find out what's going on. Um, so that's the plot. That's how you get into it. So you so you start on the on the literally the pathway leading to this castle. That's where the game. Starts. Yeah, it is a start at the dungeon situation. Yes. Um, so you have this combat encounter with these vine goblin or vine vine ghouls. Now, now I did have a group go around the side once. Yes, so and that's... only t- 
and only two of them died in the landslide. So that was good. <laughs> yes, that so there are there are kind of like a couple of different entrances. So if you manage to get uh you do have to kind of cross the moat somehow. Uh, but you can kind of shimmy around the castle instead of going in through the front gate. The 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 rear uh, wall is is crumbling, uh, so you can kind of climb over that. Um, and then there's also this giant gaping hole in the other rear corner of the castle yes. that goes like you know 500 feet down to the to the aforementioned Starless Sea. Uh, yes. which is where this there's this subterranean ziggurat that the that the demon lord is 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 being raised from and all this kind of stuff and that's so so right off the bat you have like you 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 you're probably going to start off with that combat encounter but you have three different things that right away you can check out yes. and you actually want to hand the map to people i think um or a I've version done this. there's of a there's a player there's a player map i think handout which is just has none of the markings on it it's just no it doesn't i think i've just drawn it for people but i 100 yeah. percent just like here's the whole thing you know what do you want to do? Yeah, I think I think there's only one thing that is on this map that I wouldn't want players to see. Uh, there's a little like a magical talisman that you can kind of dig yeah. out of the ground. Uh, other than that, you know everything else is going to be something that people people are perfectly fine seeing uh, in, in in the first place. So you if if there's one edit to hand out to the players, that's great. I drew the whole map of 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 that on a big piece of. Um, grid paper it's got a one inch grid paper uh, that comes on a giant pad for like office meetings and stuff like that you can pick those up for like 20 bucks a pop at office max uh and cool. and they're or, great just to have to, to to just sharpie out of a quick um a quick map to show everybody yeah our uh, our splatphone guest tim saucer actually will post uh you know in early january he's like remember uh Grid paper is on sale because you get all the wrapping paper that nobody bought. You yes. can buy the stuff that has the grid on the inside. And ah. That makes it that's great. It's cheap and it's great for making. You can get like twenty feet of it for three bucks in January. It's yeah, great for know, using throwaway maps. And you get sometimes a, snowmen show through and stuff, but you know, that's okay. And you can get you could get a sheet of plexiglass and put that to keep to keep that wrapping paper flat too. And yes. And kind of protect it from, you know, uh, all the, the stuff going on. So, yeah, there's I think I think, you know, go lean into the kind of like DIY handouty kind of like touchy feely 80s style that this game wants to be. And just like, yeah, when there's a cool illustration in the book, sh hold it up and pass yes. it around like it's like you're at the, you know, library story time or something like that because everybody loves seeing pretty pictures when they're when they're going on a on a, a little, you know, death vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't want to spend too so the first level is mostly about getting through this courtyard. Yes. And encountering the the main foes which are these beast men and it turns out that that the villagers due to the corrupting influence of chaos within this place, get corrupted into these beast men. And then, um, then they are, they become the villains, which is equally horrific. There's a, a, the other thing I like is there's several encounters here. Like you said, we're not going to go through them one by one, but each of them is like a, except for one is like a, a, like you can have this thing. There's a great thing inside here. It's really difficult to get. And there's a consequence if you screw up, which is very old school, right? Yes. Like, like there's a sword inside of the tomb, this tomb here, but this tomb is freezing cold, and there's a chance you could die getting it back. Yes, there is one cache of weapons that that is sort of a freebie, 
um, which really makes the players more powerful. But that's about it. Um, yeah. So it's, I don't know if you want to say anything about the top level, but I I really do actually like. Okay, go for this it. This is because I think if I had to guess, this top level courtyard is why this game this this particular funnel is everyone's favorite. Okay. Because uh, you can choose, like, depending on how the pace of the game is going and what the mood, you can choose to, like, you know, let people see danger coming at them from a mile away. You have all these different options. They're not stuck. They're not there. It's not linear. It's yes. It's it's this big, wide open space, and they can choose to explore this thing, that thing, or the other thing, kind of at their own pace. Um, and if, you know, if you want to talk about if the beastmen are, you know, are going to attack them in the courtyard, you can make that happen. If, if, you know, if the beastmen are, are getting killed, they can run back for reinforcements into the castle tower. You know, there's, there's, you can, you can kind of like match this to whatever is happening. And yes. it also very brilliantly, and I, I think I mentioned this last time, I, I it might've been in the cut bitlets, but, um, the, the, this big open chasm that basically opens to the boss fight on the you know you can you can you know drop 500 feet down and get right. to the last part of the dungeon but it also allows like you know if they're dawdling and and you got two hours or three hour block to run this game and they have not left that castle uh courtyard you can just have the final bas- boss come up through that hole yes and and just say like nah you took too long you know like and yeah and 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 you can have your big climactic box fight you don't have to kind of say like well nothing really happens you didn't get far enough like there is yeah, there dead. are ways Sorry. that the adventure can come to you and that players can choose what risk they want to invite and be relatively sure of their safety as they're getting the hang of what is probably like a brand new system for them you know yes yep yeah, and I and I love it, and I think most I would guess that most groups spend a lot of time in the courtyard and less time down below. Yes, um, though I though I have to say, uh, I, the down below part also makes me love this adventure yes. because this is where it becomes. So we talk all the time, right, about wonder and fantasy, and where's the wonder and fantasy? Uh, so there actually is a starless sea in this game. There's a sea the players have to cross. Um, and it is underneath this castle. It's it's amazing. And I, it, you know, uh, again, we can go through the details, but they have to go through a couple of adventures to get to it. But it's kind of amazing. Do you want to talk about what happens as they leave the courtyard? I yeah. I I, I so eventually, eventually through daring do. Um, yes. There's a couple of like optional pickups. I really like the chapel with the ooze and and everything. Yes, because like that. you can really get cool. like like a flail and a mace, but you know, there's, there's a horrible monster in there. Yeah. There's like this ooze and you can get the, the, it's how greedy do you want to be? Like you could probably get a couple things real quick uh, and be safe. And again, this, this feels all very old school to me when people talk about old school, like this is what I think of. Um, Yes. And I think the reason I like it here compared to another in, in other games is yes, it's, it's all like, look, you have to defy death to get a sword to help you be more effective. But if one of your characters dies, you have another one. You're not out. You get to keep going. 
Yeah. Yes. And, and, and you can even just pick up the, the, you know, the equipment that your little previous character lost, you know, exactly. Just like, if you really love that duck, your new character can have that duck adopted. Yes. You know, it's no big deal. Um, so that's really great, but you know, it, it, it allows, it allows people to kind of like, and also learn the backstory. There's, there's all yeah. kinds of imagery and like environmental storytelling that's happening. Uh, and that is especially true when they go into the basement underneath the castle tower, uh, because there is this, um, like the second room that they get to, there is this, you know, this, this reflecting pool that has these big, long murals flanking, yes. you know, each side of the room those and are those awesome illustrated murals, they have, they have handouts that you can just put down on the table and like, here's the backstory. If you can look at this picture, you can kind of figure out what's going on and start going like, now, wait a second. That reminds me of this thing that you talked about over here. And that that, that symbol reminds me of, okay, all right, I, I think I see what's going on. And kind of put, the, it allows them to feel like they are earning the knowledge without the big old info dump moment that is right. just like never satisfying in, 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 in my experience. Correct. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. And, and so, and even in that little situation, it's like there, there's like a, a couple of different little optional treasure things to check out. Uh, there's, um, uh, there's a, you can, you can pull this like stopper out of this drain and get kind of like spit down the stairs, which doesn't really do much of anything. Except for there are these like skull hand grenades you can you find out you can use later in the game, which is weird. Yes. But, yes. So it's like for people who are messing around with that, but it's like, you know, if if your party gets separated and other people want to go down the stairs, it just leads them right to right to where those people yes. are. You know, it's it's like so you're not really splitting the party for too long, but it does kind of say like now be careful. <laughs> you know, it is sort of like teaching you the genre tropes in these fairly low stakes way, even though even though characters could easily die during these kinds of things. Again, you're just going to give them another character. Right, right. Uh, there are opportunities for, for a total party kill um, if they get past the Beastmen. So so once they, they make it, they, they come to a sandy shore of a sea that is underground, um, which is just a wonderful image. It's so old school. I love it. And, and to get across the sea, they have to figure out how to summon this boat. And if they don't do it correctly, the monster that lives in the water will kill them. But there's clues based in the murals they saw and in the and in the altar, the men here that they find next to the sea. And I just think all oh, that's so wonderful. I've had like I had a kid. I ran this for some kids once and one of the kids sacrificed their cow because um, it was clear that a sacrifice was needed. And uh, I, I think I have never had this, but I know that other players have have sacrificed other players characters in order to summon that boat so it's again it's like a consequence laden uh thing to make across there's no way to make it across without some consequence which i really enjoy yes and i i love that it 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 is it is a a fun little puzzle that has you know it's a situation it's not a single solution thing you know it's not like somebody's asking you a riddle that has only one answer to it like there are several different ways to get at these uh these kind of set pieces um which is another reason and and it it really kind of like i don't remember if the language like specifically instructs the gm to roll with it but i feel like i feel like in general there is this pervasive permission being given to the gm to just like yes it's just like you know kill a few characters every time they do something wrong and then then eventually say yes that your idea works 
and let him right. let him kind of move on. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, you still, you know, it it's it still feels tense and interesting uh, uh, all throughout that. And um, so it, it's it's like I know it, it sounds like we're saying like uh, that that the the things that the characters do don't really matter. Uh, no, that's not true at all. They right. have to make decisions throughout. Yes. Um, you know, one one observation I want to make is is if you total up, you know, if you go encounter so. So what is different about this than, say, a mega dungeon? And I think this is maybe one reason why I like it. There are encounter areas A through G in the courtyard level. And I think there's six encounter areas in the second level that get them down to the edge of the sea. And then there's the last part, which is a temple on an island in the middle of the sea. But but the point I'm making is that there's maybe maybe 20, probably closer to 15, like actually detailed encounters. But but it feels so rich and so full, you know, there's no empty room. That's just a storeroom. There's no abandoned guard room. Like, like everything is full of, of stuff and encounter and potential, even if there's no monster there. I, I don't know if you got that sense, but it, it, it seems to me like there's so, it does so the economy of this adventure is so good. It does so much with so little. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I, I absolutely, it's, it's an all killer, no filler thing. And again, this is what makes me think that it was just like a really good album. Yeah. Yes. That's a great analogy. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's uh it is just, it is a greatest hits of the thing, but also it's like, it's not, you know, uh, you are fighting tough, classic kind of, you know, fifth level monsters you know you are you are expected to hold your own against the against the final boss you're not waiting until you this is not like the campaign ending boss this is your 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 level zero candle maker is going to go toe to toe with you know this this uh you know uh, uh, demon lord that rises out of a ziggurat in a starless sea you're not waiting yeah. for the good stuff to happen you are it is popping off in this very their this very first adventure i think that's really good too i think this is actually something video games do better than than tabletop rpgs often is they make a they have a high level like the mini boss right is an epic fight so i don't know what the rest of this campaign looks like this guy looks like a final boss but but someday there'll be a bigger boss. But he's like he's a chaos lord who's been resurrected. Like it's not like a little thing to take him on, but take him on you do, and that's super. Co- I love that, you know. Even though you're level zero, yes. And, and I also want to say that, like you know, the uh, the the illustration of him on page nineteen by uh, Peter Mullen is uh, one of the best. He's I mean, he is my hands down my favorite illustrator for DCC and probably one of my favorite illustrators ever. Uh, Just just a brilliant guy, just like these big, heavy, bold shapes with all these fussy little greebly hatchings and details and texture, just so much movement and character. Uh, But it's it it looks like nothing else. Yeah, Um, it's great. It's all. Yeah, it's all. It's all just super detailed cross hatching and everything, and it's and it's fantastic. Yeah, he's there's so many good illustrators for DCC. I understand it's kind of a hard job to to a hard crowd to break into, um, and there's a reason for that because they're so evocative. Yeah, I I I have I have uh, I have tried and failed several times to get into the artist stable there, but you know it's it's uh, uh, it's it's because the the people that they have are doing amazing work and they're you know i'm i am 
I am so happy to see a book that has strong art direction. Uh, yes. And that is, that is know, unique. Yes. Right. Like, yeah, it's not like other, it's none of it's generic, despite, you know, I was praising having Holloway there and, and creating that old feel. And I do love that, but, but you're right. This illustration of my Mullen is just like, you know, all feeling and all cross hatching, you know, it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's as, it's as, uh, it's as good as it gets. Um, so what about the end? How, what else do we like about this adventure? Uh, yeah, the boat is really great. It's really creepy. It rows itself across the way. If you solve, if you figure out how to solve the, the riddle or whatever. Yeah. Like, I love this, right? Wonder, big magic, stuff yeah. you can't explain, stuff you, you can solve it, but you can't just like, well, I cast a counter spell so I can, you know. Like, yeah, it's like, work. yeah, it's like I cast levitate on everybody. You know, you, right. in order to solve <laughs> these problems, you have to, you have to kind of risk your, your life to, 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 on, on, to, to answer that riddle and then you are you are interacting with the environment in a way that you know a, a completely self-sufficient battle wizard in you know by by fifth level D doesn't need anything in the environment they're 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 going to be able to sever and summon you know a, 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 a wyvern shark and they'll be fine <laughs> you know <laughs> a wyvern shark and then i love the end the end of the game is essentially like you have to get to the top you have to fight your way or sneak your way to the top of the ziggurat as this giant ritual is is completing uh and defeat this summoned chaos lord who comes back um which create which causes the ziggurat to collapse and create a tsunami um, I actually love the ending of this adventure. Have you got, I got to it when you and I played in it. Have you gotten to the end of it? Um, I usually wrap, I, I like to wrap a bow on it. I don't usually use the, the pat ending, but it, it is really cute. Uh, I think it's cute. Yeah. It, but it, I, I like I like to say like you and you save the city, the end, um, oh, just, just to kind of like, good. yeah, just to say like, Hey, you did a thing. Like the world is better because of what you did. That's some of, that's some of Tim's optimism. It's just like, yeah, it's, there you go. It's not just like one thing after another. It's like, Oh, I should have stayed home today. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, you, like I, the world is better and your town is saved. Uh, that is how I usually end this. But if I was going to use this to launch a campaign, I would go with the ending they gave, which is, I love that cliffhanger ending. It's basically like there's a tsunami. You get back on the boat and you're whooshed down into the depths of the underdark and and the, the end, right? Like, yeah. you know, what happens next? So, which is, which seems dot, delightful dot, dot, to me. To be continued. You yes, know? exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I have a question. Um, why? Maybe this is an unfair question. Why do we enjoy this so much? This is the old school stuff that you and I like. Yes, there's a lot of old school, old school stuff that we don't, we're not going to name it, but you know, we've talked about it and maybe we've already answered this question. Why this thing over so many other things? Is it just all killer, no filler? Is it just, it just hits the buttons perfectly or is it, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew because if I could find a bunch of old school experiences like this, you know, I would love that. I, I have gotten it from other old school games. There's a old school essentials, which we mentioned um, one of the, adventures that came with that kickstarter is called winter's daughter mm. um which is this wonderful short little adventure it's not the same at all but but it from in terms of tone but it is evocative in the same way to me in the sense that there's a real backstory and adventure and mission happening here and you're exploring something mysterious and wonderful you know what i mean yes. um yeah i think 
there there's a lot going on here it's got lots of beautiful handouts it's yes. got this wide open beginning after starting with combat to kind of let people know there's plenty of opportunities to kind of like scale the difficulty depending on the group and kind of get the get the pace on track um and and then also like there's this wonderful discovery moment those murals on the reflecting pool it's like a deeply weird thing so you have kind of like these more kind of like chill mysterious moments yes. where you're not locked in deadly combat with beastmen it's not just like and more goblins attack and more goblins attack and it more it offers a lot of different it offers yes. a gamut of old school experiences from Dirty, deadly combat to wonder and awe yes. all in one 23 page package. You can't, and you can, you, it kind of starts with, com it sandwiches it, right? You know, it starts yeah. with combat and then it has this little kind of fun mystery adventure game stuff. Uh, and then this like weird inventory puzzle for the boat. And then, and then you have this big climactic battle. So it really does have like, uh, it really does have all of the stuff going for it uh, and it's it's not just looking for and it's not a labyrinth it's not no. this big sprawling catacombs it's like it's 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 actually once you get down to once you get down to level two it is very linear yes uh there is a, a separate like little optional adventure you can add i i've read through it i've never even considered running it it's yeah. too much yeah. and it's a labyrinth it's more than i want i don't know like i barely think players characters can survive it as written i don't know how they'd survive it with this additional you know, additional bit yeah it this really does remind me quite a bit of what made um zelda breath of the wild such a winning combination mm -hmm. is you could you could you know kind of like choose your own challenge and approach on the the top level overworld stuff and then you have like this little like subterranean shrine challenge and then you have this big boss fight but you have to kind of get to the boss fight once you get to the step pyramid in the middle of the the starless sea uh you kind of have to figure out okay how are we going to get up here because there's so many beastmen up here we can't we can't really take them on one-on-one. -on -one. Right. Uh, uh, but, you know, what I did in the game where where they actually made it there, instead of coming up with a plan to disguise themselves or like, you know. Which, which is what you guys did. Field, yes. I sort of pitched that to you. I'm like, look, we're almost out of time. Remember, you found the stuff. You guys could disguise yourselves. Yeah. Like, go for it. You know? I think I so. think that was good, right? So, but but they they and I just had I just had the guy pop out of the top of the pyramid and trundle on down the side of it oh, and like throw yeah, that's meteors and belch fire and everything like that and 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 uh, you know it's like you can you can kind of like there's a, some elasticity to kind of absorb whatever your your character's approaches are. Uh, at that point, you kind of want to stop punishing them for for doing things. You kind of want to say like, okay, I'm going to meet you where you are so we can kind of like end this thing in a satisfying way. But I am going to kill quite a few more of you before this is over. Yes, yes. I, I, want, to, I want to shout out like, like the reason I selected, there's, a, there's an adventure called B4, The Lost City. Yes. Um, I, Tom Moldvay is one of the authors and I think David Cook is the other. Um, and it is for the basic set, but what it has a similar vibe though. It does have the labyrinth. Basically you have to work your way down this pyramid. Um, you're lost in the desert. You wander into this place. You have to fight your way down this pyramid. It's a mega dungeon, but what happens is at the end or near the end, 
you come across this enormous cavern that has this lost city. And in this lost city live all these people who've descended into madness into these different tribes. And some of them think they're birds and some of them think they're frogs. And there's all these, like, it's nuts. That's and great. and I love it. Like, I want more nuts. I want more starless seas with giant chaotic gods being summoned at the top of ziggurats in my games. You know what I mean? Um and that's why I think I get really attracted to those over, say, like when we were talking about this, and I think maybe we wrap up here, like, why is this? I think we both agree, but why is this better than Tomb of Horrors, right? Yes. And that's and that's my big thing is just like it's it is it's not actually full of that many death traps. No, it's there are there are no like, haha. You 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 said you didn't check for traps this one time, and there and this time there's a trap there. You did. You stuck your hand. You stuck your sword in the demon's mouth, and it was a null void, and you lost your sword. You yeah, know, like, there's none of that. Um, I feel like I feel like the rep of Tomb of Horrors, the original one here, is is you're really testing the players. I feel there's two there's two things that I don't like about it that I like about this more. One is you're in there with your level 10 to 12 ranger that you've been playing forever and you can instantly die and instant death in sailor on the sailors on the starless sea is okay and expected and seems deeply unfair in tomb of horrors. And, and the second thing I'll say is I feel like a lot of the puzzles in there are not solvable. Yeah. Right. Like, like it's just random chance that you make it through there. Um, it's, and it's I don't feel like weird, that's the case. It's a weird here. inside joke. You know, it's just, yes. it's like, it's like, you know, if you, if you, it's like, did you, did your college friends ever play like punch buggy or one of these, one of these yeah, things? slug bug, we slug call bug it, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like that is fun with your friends. If you are all in on the joke, but like, yes. if, if just like some guy on the bus with you does that, or like, some, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you're going to be like, no dude, <laughs> hey, don't <laughs> not cool. Hey, boundaries you just touched me i don't know where your hands have been yeah so i'm not exactly. saying it's impossible to have fun with with um with tomb of horrors but it's like it kind of requires kind of more context and i feel like it, this does a much better job like it is it, it there's it's going to be a high fatality thing but that is like kind of lampshaded in a way it's it's yes. like you know it's like it's acceptable and it actually does a lot of work to kind of like it's a great teaching module for brand new Mm -hmm. players it's got it's got you know the 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 gritty combat uh of of just like you know you versus a bunch of beastmen it's got this cool like puzzly magic world underworld stuff and then it has like this big climactic boss fight you know it has this it has everything and it's really well paced out and it it does not waste your time uh and and i think I think Tomb of Horrors is designed to waste your time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's designed to be frustrating. And I think what we've learned in the intervening time is that's not actually fun. Or at least, let me say that a different way. To people who played the game back then, that might have been fun. I don't think it's fun for a modern audience. But everybody's different. I don't enjoy it. Some people might. So. Yeah, it's like I, I, I'm, I'm never... Just because I think I'm right, that really only means that I think I'm right for me. It does. Yes, exactly. It doesn't actually mean that I think like you know, you're, if people are having the wrong kind of fun or something like that. And remember, the towering wave propels you with terrifying speed towards the distant cavern wall. Ahead, through a sea of towering whitecaps and the debris of a falling boulders, you spy the mouth of a narrow cave. The dragon-proud ship rides down the crest of the giant wave and shoots into the rocky maw. 
the howling surf crashing all around you. The end. Yes, I love it. I love it. Splat Book is a proud part of Roll For It Media. Be sure to check out our sister show, Roll For Topic, wherever fine podcasts are purveyed or on their website, gmdiscussions.com. And please leave us a five-star review on your podcasting app of choice. It really helps people find the show. Did you have any questions about the show? Did you feel we left anything out? Did you have some strong opinion about something that we shared? Leave us a voice message on the Splatphone by going to bit.ly slash Splatphone, and we might even play your message on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Latino or subscribe to my YouTube channel, MapCrow, and you can follow John in your hearts. Our intro track today was Starless, recorded by King Crimson for their 1974 album Red, and our closing track was Le Mer, recorded in 1949 by Django Reinhardt. And now, stay tuned for some cut bitlets. Sorry, we're, we're still here. <laughs> I, I had a sneeze coming on. I am, I am having difficulty. I've never been allergic to cats, but oh, I no. somehow am somewhat allergic to this one. Oh no! So I think it's just an adjustment period thing. Yeah, but, um, hopefully we'll see how it goes. Well, we all, we had that horrible ice storm, and we all lost power. And I have I had a coworker who um who is in Indiana, but sort of on the Ohio river. Mm. Um, and they had to go buy bottled water and stuff. And I said, so, uh, so let's, let's move on from your infrastructure to disaster to my infrastructure disaster. And <laughs> yeah, you know, this is just going to be how it is. Uh, yeah. Is... There were like half a million people without power in Southeast Michigan. Holy moly. How many yeah. days? I, I got lucky. My name. So I have this weird thing where like my neighbor, they always lose power and I never lose power to the point like they've lived next to me for 15 years. And when the power flickers, I'm like, did you lose it? And they're like, yep. And I'm like, okay. And I take the hundred foot extension cord. I plug it into the back of my house and just throw it over the fence so they can run their fridge. Like we've done it. I don't know how many times, but um, I lost it like a little bit that day, had it the whole next day. And then that Friday I was out completely. And then it came back, but they were out for five days straight. So yeah, they had, they fortunately had family and like, uh, Livonia or something so they went over there but yeah not fun did you mean did you name the cat yet i i okay uh, actually so uh so the cat's name that it, it is it is sweetie is the name of the cat okay that's, that's, that's good that's what it's had but i think i'm gonna name her lofi lofi <laughs> yeah because for two reasons for, for first of all she's she's a dump truck you know she is nice. she looks like a cat loaf when she's sitting there <laughs> she's very round yes, yes yes uh she's very she's very loaf shaped uh, and then she's like a, the, the shape of an artisanal bread um <laughs> <laughs> and but also uh i do listen to uh, uh have you ever seen gosh this is so weird that i have to 
I, I might have to explain this to you, but okay, um, let's do it. There is a YouTube channel called Lo- Lo-Fi Beats for studying. Mm-hmm. Like I'm familiar with the concept. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there is there's a there's a big round cat that's in the back of that, <laughs> and and they call the girl Lofi instead of Lo-Fi. They've kind of like the the, the nice. colloquial name is that her name is Lofi. So, and I listen to that all the time uh, when I'm running class in the background and it's just like work time because yeah, I yeah. know it's, it's completely inoffensive. It's not going to like, it's not going to, it's, there's no lyrics in it. It's not going to distract anybody. It's just kind of this chill background music. And I will also often, often listen to it just like uh, if I, if I just need something on in the background, but I don't really care what. So, nice. uh, having this connection with that, that, that loaf, I think, I think it just makes sense. And I think the cat won't care. I, so the I cat think does great. not care. It does not, yeah. does not acknowledge. I, it might be deaf. Uh, uh, Luffy, Luffy might not hear anything at all. That's that's the hard thing with cats. Like maybe she's deaf. Maybe she's just ignoring you. Maybe she, you never she know. She just with the does cat. not give one rip uh, about uh, too much of anything. So. Well, well, congrats on your new roommate. Thank you. I'm I uh, it's I I I feel remarkably more happy. <laughs> it's it, so it nice really, to have yeah. I got I won't lie to you. So my dog like 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 we are horrible dog owners and we let the dog on the furniture. Mm-hmm. And in fact this he's a he's a he's a boxer mix and he has very like pink skin and short hair and the winter he's like trying to get warm all he like lies in front of the heater at night he literally hops on my bed this is what he's learned to do i lift up the blanket he crawls under curls up next to my leg flops down and spends the night there and like i know so many dog owners who are like that's a horrible idea and i'm like you don't have any idea how much happy this makes me yeah just like just and it's not you know like it's just so nice to have an animal that cuddles exactly right like that's that's in at the end of the day as a pet owner that's the biggest question is like does it make you happy uh yeah that's that's what you got to figure out what what can you actually what what is what is making you happy and what is what is actually like a good sustainable life uh you know quality of living for this creature too so yeah if you can figure both of those things out then you know to heck with everybody I actually have my own Zencaster account now. I started a free account because I just I was having trouble figuring out how to record into Reaper. So I'm like, I just need to get some recording down. So I just started with Zencaster. Yeah, so you know that's the thing. It's just like I, I've been I've been telling my students this a lot recently, where um, you know if you if you look up and you you you've been going through a, a bit of this yourself recently. Yeah. Where it's just like, if you look up like what the right way to do things are, you know, it's like in, in my case, it's like, what, how do you get into game dev, you know? Right. And, and the answer is, well, you gotta, you know, you gotta learn how to code C sharp by typing it out the long way and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, sure. Yeah. But like, if you look up any documentary about people who have been, you know, who made a game that you like, especially an indie game, right. uh, it's that none of them got started using the tools they're using now because those tools didn't exist, you know? Yeah. I actually, um, we've talked about, uh, Janelle Jacques on this podcast. Yes. It's been a while, but back <laughs> in the day I emailed her saying, you know, I, you made a game 
you were part of the development team of a game called Dragon Quest, which was an old SPI RPG. Um, I think we've talked about that before, but it, yeah. it, it came out in like the early 80s. I just sent them an email and said, this is great. I loved it. Um, I don't know how you made such a great game. And, and in retrospect, looking back at it, like it's not that great a game, but their response was like, well, I'm glad you say that because we had like an intern do the combat system and like somebody who'd never done anything else before do the magic system and like, and then we just kind of threw it together and then we had a game, you know, like, yeah, you know, they didn't learn how to, they did, they learned as they went, I guess. Yes, long yes. Short. <laughs> you learn by doing and you just have to accept that you're going to improve as you go. And, you know, this is, this is how it is. So yeah, just like get, get, get some stuff recorded. Don't worry about doing it all the right way. You know, just like get that momentum and you'll learn more by doing that than you will by watching like, you know, eight hours of tutorial videos. Right. And you know what? I wonder if this makes me sound negative i don't think it does like you also have to have some acknowledgement of like where you are right yeah. like i am not a professional vo- i enjoy reading people tell me i have a nice narrator voice i'm not a professional act voice actor right yeah. so you know i was looking at a couple of different stories to record and one of them has like five speaking characters all exchanging dialogue and i just said that's a horrible idea like that is <laughs> <laughs> like that is a little maybe just dial it back a little bit right because that's just going to be confusing as heck for everybody so you know i it's not that you it's not that you shouldn't shoot for the stars it's that just realize you know you have a current skill level and you should be pushing that skill level but that doesn't mean if you can't do the best perfect story right out of the gate then don't do it yeah yeah you know it's it's it, yeah it, it's you can't you can't just like go for uh the big ambitious dream project for your first time uh yeah. you know a lot of there's there's actually kind of like a whole like cognitive behavioral theory about self-sabotage yes. for, for folks that will like do that big ambitious thing that's first. me yeah, 100%. right. Because it's like, well, of course, of course, of course, I failed. I remember because because yeah. the the thing was too hard, and you kind of by not going for something that's like within your reach, you're kind of protecting yourself from actually having to finish a thing. You know? Yeah. It's, um, yeah I, I remember reading a letters column in a comic book. It was some indie comic book, and I want to say it was Zot, and this was Scott McCloud, but maybe it was somebody crap, else. Yeah. It might have. It's I. You know what? I don't want to pin it on him, but the but. It, they were basically saying, I get a lot of letters with people asking me how to work on their 200 page epic. And he's like, I compare it to the, I compare it to professional golf. Like the 200 page epic is playing on the PGA tour. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, do you have golf clubs? You know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Not how do I get on the PGA tour? But you know, yeah. So, and it's not, I don't know. I, you know, I'm learning about this even at my advanced age, just trying to have take pleasure in learning how to do stuff. Yeah. You know, like I, I was working on a model um, and I, I was, I was watching a YouTube video about this guy who makes models. And during the YouTube, he was, he was talking about whether this company was good or bad. And he was saying this one company Airfix, like, like it's just, they're just like for dabblers, right? It's not really serious model kits and, he revealed in this that he he like had had kits that he made appear in magazines and he'd won awards and I'm like oh I'm not you at all I yeah. should go buy this these Airfix kits because I'm still a dabbler and that's more fun than this Edward kit that I bought that has like twice as many parts that I just is making me crazy you know what I mean like yes 
Yeah, so. you know that that's I I think that's that's the way to do it. Is is just like figure out where your capabilities are and then stretch yourself a little bit beyond that, but not not to the breaking point, you know. Yeah, um, I, I think I've always been a shortcut taker or or somebody who wants to take them. And look, it just all takes time. So this is part of why I picked up model making as a as an activity. Like it just takes patience, and there's yeah. no you know. So it's there's yeah. yeah you can't you can't just slap this together it is it is it is you have to kind of like buckle in for the long process <laughs> yes, of it you know exactly